Support for What the F*** Happened to Breezy Blue comes from Edible Apron. Your next great meal is tied around your waist. All natural ingredients in eye-catching patterns, delivered straight to your kitchen. Wear it, then share it, for a family meal that's scrumptious and stylish. Now you can have your apron and eat it too. Edible Apron. For a limited time, get a digestible spatula when you use the promo code BREEZY. Previously on What the F*** Happened to Breezy Blue. I figure I'm her only family left. Trust me, everyone else is dead. I want Breezy Blue dead. Dead! Do you hear me? Witnesses say the car was found overturned. The vulgar nightclub songs. No body. No body. No body. No body. This document, suitable for framing, certifies that Barry Wasserman has been duly admitted as a member of the Bazoom Brigade and has pledged to do all he can to honor Gazangas, to uphold the Breezy Blue bylaws, and to celebrate doing it whenever possible, in witness of which I have this day set my sensational seal and signature as Barry Wasserman, Bazoom Brigade Local 415. For Midwest of the Americas Radio, I'm Liz Ziegler. Our producer is Glenn Mazzaro. That's Glenn with two ends. Groucho Marx famously proclaimed that he never wanted to belong to a club that would accept someone like him as a member. Self-loathing. Sure, we've all been there. Glenn, you know what I'm talking about. Wait, what? But there are a lot of good reasons to join a group. Camaraderie, personal growth, looks good on a resume, And for some, it's just nice to be in the company of like-minded obsessives. Here's the good reverend Screwloose, host of Wacky Wax, the vintage comedy podcast. Say you bought a Breezy Blue album in the 60s. Inside each record sleeve was an application to join the Bazoom Brigade, a club that promised all the naughtiest Breezy Blue news. A newsletter. Typewritten by Breezy Blue herself. And in the early 1960s, there were more than 90,000 members. That's incredible. That's basically Rhode Island. (laughs) And every issue promised at least one good, dirty joke. The other day, I was fooling around with a mime. Oh, he did unspeakable things to me. There were actually 100,000 members. But don't get the wrong idea. The Bazoom Brigade doesn't let just anyone in. There's an application, and you have to pay dues. Barry Wasserman is a junior security analyst for a pharmaceutical research firm in Park Ridge, Illinois. He's the kind of guy who packs gluten-free sandwiches that he carries in a canvas bike satchel. He's a self-proclaimed career bachelor, neat freak, and certified breezy file. And at only 22 years old, he's the current president of the Bazoom Brigade. Classy Records started the Bazoom Brigade in 1961, and let's be honest, Saul Goldblatt just wanted to tell everyone where Breezy would be appearing. In other words, advertising. So, considering Breezy has been gone for 50 years... Uh, uh, On hiatus. The Bazoom Brigade's official stance is Breezy Blue is on hiatus. 
for 50 years. That's right. Okay. Let me phrase it this way. It's been 50 years since Breezy Blue made a nightclub appearance. If there are no shows to promote, what's the purpose of the Bazoom Brigade in the 21st century? Nearly 72 semi-active members would maintain there's a very distinct purpose. Which is? You don't have to take a tone. (sighs) What does the Bazoom Brigade do, Barry? Well... We send out the newsletter, still via snail mail, still created on a typewriter by yours truly. We talk about collecting breezy memorabilia, trading breezy memorabilia, you know, selling breezy memorabilia, pretty much anything you can think of. When it comes to breezy memorabilia, Barry knows his stuff. He invited us to his studio apartment, which is devoted almost entirely to the memory of Breezy Blue. This, of course, is the glittery gown that Breezy wore during her 1962 Cleveland run. It's beautiful. Thank you. I reattached several hundred of the sequins myself. That is good glue gun. I know, right? Here's an autographed menu from the Club Lafayette with her lipstick imprint on it, (laughs) authenticated. Uh, some Bazoom Brigade exclusives, a make room for my Bazoom's collectible coaster, a napkin in the shape of a boob, pardon my French. Barry, I have to ask you something. Many people your age have never heard of Breezy Blue. Criminal. Can you explain why she speaks to you personally? Oh, that's easy. See, when I was younger, I used to be really embarrassed about S-E-X. Sex. <laughs> well, right, yes, that's it. And now you're not? Super comfortable with it. And that's because Breezy Blue taught me to have a sense of humor about it. It. S-E-X. Sex. See? That's part of the humor. I spell it instead of say it. Breezy made you comfortable. I was 12 when I found this copy of Booby Hatch in my grandfather's crawl space. It was like I discovered a top-secret world where men and women locked the bedroom door and did all kinds of wicked things in the dark. You're talking about puberty. Basically. It looks like a lot of these records have never been opened. Don't touch them! Oh, what's wrong with you? I didn't touch! Well, you pointed! These are all original packaging, including the Japanese imports. See how they digitally blur the cleavage? What's with all the tentacles? You have all her albums, Perry? How do you think a guy gets to be president of the Bazoom Brigade? What about Electric Breezy Land? Barry? Barry? Are you okay? This subject is not a safe space. Can you tell us why? I have reason to believe... All copies of electric, electric, that record were destroyed. But who would do something like that? Americans for wholesomeness. Life in 1960s America was scary if you liked life in 1950s America. Suddenly your kids were going to school with the kids from that side of town. 
homosexuals were no longer considered mentally ill. People burned draft cards, reefer, bras. Women were entering the workforce and talking about sex. Sex should be a misdemeanor. The more I miss, the meaner I get. Sexual immorality, the kind made popular in speakeasy cat houses by illicit entertainers such as Bluesy Breeze, are a rash on the wholesome hindquarters of this great country. Dr. Charles Gilcrease Jr. was neither a minister nor a doctor. It's quite possible there was no Charles Gilcrease Sr., but he was a man concerned about the fraying moral fabric of Fort Collins, Colorado. On his weekly 2 a.m. radio show, Let's Scream About Sin, he'd rail against the wickedness he saw in the world around him. For Gilcrease, Bluesy Breeze, his willfully mangled version of Breezy Blue, was the devil herself. With a croaky voice and her face painted like a Portuguese prostitute, Bluesy Breeze ridicules what she imagines to be the private goings-on of God-fearing husbands and wives. Of course, Mrs. Gilcrease and I have never done anything of the sort. Only a fervent few listened to the show. But that changed when Breezy Blue released her album Booby Hatch. Its lead single became popular on jukeboxes across America, including one in a family restaurant in Fort Collins. My new boyfriend thinks that I'm quite a catch. I'm the kind of itch he's just got a scratch. I sort of make him crazy so he shouldn't attach. I got my nutty boyfriend to the booby hatch. Booby hatch, I drive the man insane. Booby hatch, something scrambled his brain. Booby hatch, the fellas met his match. I sent my nutty boyfriend to the booby hatch. Booby! The song debuted right around the time Gilcrease and his wife took their young daughter, Binky, to the Dingaling Diner for her sixth birthday. He placed a dime in the jukebox, intending to play Happy Birthday, but accidentally punching the wrong button. The incessant repetition of the word booby caused the doctor to fling his mashed potatoes to the floor and flee the restaurant. But it didn't stop there. Booby Hatch inspired Gilcrease to form Americans for Wholesomeness, an organization determined to wipe out smut in all its forms. It was a little like the Bazoom Brigade in that you got a membership card for 50 cents. I myself have spent time in an asylum and let me assure bluesy breeze that mental illness is no laughing matter. Time to make America decent again, decent again, decent again, decent again. We'll hear how Americans for Wholesomeness stirred up trouble for Breezy Blue, and vice versa. But first, a word from our friends at Edible Apron. For less than $10 a smock, Edible Apron delivers seasonal flavors in fashionable prints for delicious, home-style aprons you can eat. 
Do I have to make a long trip through rush hour traffic to purchase edible apron in a crowded shopping center? Edible Apron delivers healthy, mouth-watering chef bibs right to your door. I don't like leaving the house. Just follow Edible Apron's easy-to-understand recipe cards. Mix up fresh, sustainable ingredients. Then, when you're finished, throw your apron in the pot. Voila! Delicious! Use the code BREEZY and get free shipping for a limited time. Edible Apron. Tie some yummy around your tummy. Oh, those wholesome assholes were a pain in my tuckers. We placed another call to Saul Goldblatt, Breezy Blue's manager, on a special phone for the hard of hearing. He's 88 years old. Why you always say that? Age is a state of mind. Americans for wholesomeness? Ah, so loud, always belly aching. They bought an old school bus and show up wherever Breezy was playing, waving their signs and carrying on. We want clean cut, no more dirty cut. We want clean Of course, cut. Americans for wholesomeness didn't quite know what they were up against. How so? See, whenever a handful of them wholesome types would show up to protest, and an even bigger bunch of presumed brigadiers would scream right back, and some of them would even show their bazooms. I always assumed the bazoom brigade was primarily men. No! Housewives loved them some breezy blue. All the things that she was saying and singing, they'd been thinking all along. We love you, breezy blue! We love you, breezy blue! Send them to the Foley hat, breezy! That didn't stop Americans for Wholesomeness from finding ways to express their disgust. A letter-writing campaign to The Tonight Show begged Johnny Carson never to book Breezy Blue. As if Carson had a choice. Nobody was saying gazongas on TV then. Well, you certainly couldn't mention hooters or knockers or majumbas. You couldn't say honkers. Okay, I... Bodacious tatas? No. Boobies, bonbons, bombshells, boom-booms, bazookas, biggins? No way! If you're Phyllis Diller, maybe you get away with sweater puppies. Maybe! Got it. But are you saying Breezy couldn't have cleaned up her act for late-night TV? She probably could have. But then Johnny would have risked pissing off Bob Newhart. More on Newhart later. But for now... I have reason to believe all copies of electric electric that record were destroyed but who would do something like that americans for wholesomeness can you explain barry if any copies of electric breezy land ever really existed i personally believe they did saul Goldblatt, if you're listening, you bastard. We'll let him know. The only copies of the record would have been stored in a warehouse in Fort Lauderdale. The Masters? Maybe somewhere else. But the actual records for sale? Saul kept them in a cheap flea pit full of mold and sea lice and who knows what else. Let's go to the warehouse! It's gone. Burned to the ground the very same night that Breezy Blue went missing. 
Total coincidence, right? <laughs> Super likely, as if. And you think Americans for Wholesomeness was behind it? Check the newspapers. Their stupid bus was circling the warehouse the day it went down. All those stupid people with their stupid megaphones shouting their stupid rhymes about purity and cleanliness. The bus was there the day the warehouse burned down. And the bus was gone when the place was in ashes. So... The group was never charged. Charge the upholders of American decency in the South in the 60s. Well, you mentioned the Masters. You think those tapes are still out there somewhere? I do. And Saul Goldblatt, if you really are listening, the Bazoom Brigade is coming for you. That sounds vaguely threatening. Good. And speaking of threatening, Glenn contacted the police about the nasty phone call we received at the end of the last episode. Mind your business, Liz Ziegler. You don't want to get your beard stuck in the letterbox. No lead so far. At least we haven't received any more calls. We've received more calls. I didn't want to bother you. How many? Uh, a dozen or so. Cowardly threats to strong women who aren't afraid to speak their minds. Doesn't it all make you feel like breezy blue? Not... No, not really. Work on it. You got it, Liz Ziegler. Dr. Charles Gilcrease Jr. died in 1986, long after Americans for Wholesomeness went the way of bell-bottoms and fallout shelters. Medical records show he died of a heart attack on the sticky floor of Deja Vu all over again, a strip club just off the highway outside of Fort Collins. The club's name was appropriate, since locals say Gilcrease was surprised to find himself back there all the time. To protest, according to his family. If that's their story, let them stick to it. Because that's what family does. You stick by one another. Whether your bond is blood, or wholesome values, or appreciation of a really good booby joke. <laughs> booby. It's been 50 years since Breezy Blue went missing. Or on hiatus, if you prefer. But people like Barry Wasserman and the Bazoom Brigade are still keeping the faith. If you're out there, Breezy, your family says hello. What the F*** Happened to Breezy Blue is produced by Glenn Mazera and me, Liz Ziegler. Good job, Liz. Ivor Glass contributed nothing, as usual. Support for What the F*** Happened to Breezy Blue comes from Edible Apron. It's a garment. It's a garnish. It's Edible Apron. What the F*** Happened to Breezy Blue is a production of Midwest of the Americas Radio. If you liked this episode of What the F*** Happened to Breezy Blue, please share it with a friend. If you haven't already, please subscribe and review. It really makes a difference.